We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And we have a Super Bowl to talk about, and we're going to tie in some Niners stuff into the Eagles-Chiefs Super Bowl. But first, we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery. It's located in Santa Rosa. Brand new bar top. Looks beautiful in there. You can go hang out, drink good beer. There's always a food truck. Really awesome food truck. You can go eat some food, drink some beer. You can bring your dog. Dog-friendly place. Great vibes. Uh, elite place to hang out. Chris and I, I think, might go hang out there at some point this offseason. Are we going to do that? They have uh, Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA on tap only right now. You can't buy cans, but they do have they do have kegs tapped. You can the, probably um, buy a keg, honestly. Yeah, I don't want to. Maybe like, I don't want to guarantee, guarantee that. that. Yeah, but check it check it out if you need a keg for something. See if you can get a keg of Candlecron. I can um, I can tell you that having Candlestick Chronicles Hazy on tap is delicious. It's so good. But so are all their beers. Like we obviously favor Candlecron, but everything there is good. And you can order some right now. You can go to coopersbrewing.com. You can go online. You can order a case. They'll ship it right to your front door. You can get a case of one thing. You can mix and match a case if there's a bunch of stuff you want to try. Highly recommend it. They'll deliver beer right to your front doorstep. I say it every time. It is the single best way to acquire beer. Go online, order it. They ship it to you and you get cold beer at your front door. It's very dope. Cooper's Brewing, coopersbrewing.com. Drink it a beer. All right, let's talk about football. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. I heard some discourse about the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's it. I just heard some discourse about the Super Bowl. No, I. it was like the refs ruined the game because they called a penalty at the end. And I understand the sentiment, but also the guy committed a penalty. So the ref threw a flag. And if 
the penalty is not committed, the Chiefs might score a touchdown there. So like I get I get the sense or I get the idea of like, oh man, it robbed the Eagles of a chance to go down and tie the game and all this epic. But like, dude, their guy committed a flag. Like the guy committed a penalty. That's what happens when you commit penalties. <laughs> the flag gets thrown. So I don't know. I thought that was wild. I thought it was a great game. I did not have a problem with the call at the end. And I really, really enjoyed the Super Bowl. Yeah, James Bradbury admitted that he tugged on the receiver's jersey and and it was a penalty and he changed the route. So, yeah, I'm with you in that. Like, you know, I I understand questionable calls, certainly in big spots, the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl when when it's a really close game tied in in that sense or in that case. Um, But there's it's impossible for me to spend four hours watching that entire game seeing all the big plays, all the different things that happened, and then to, like, decide, oh, the rest determine the outcome of that game. Like, that's not how it went. Like, I fully understand why Eagles fans would be upset about it, but also, like, don't fumble the ball and allow the Chiefs to score a defensive touchdown, right? right. Don't kick a line drive punt and have Sky Moore or uh, Kadarius Tony return it all the way to, you know, inside the 10-yard line or whatever it was. There mm-hmm. were a lot of plays in that game that determine the outcome far more than one penalty. And yeah, like if that ball is, it does end up being an incompletion on third and eight, then the chiefs end up kicking a field goal with a minute 50 left. It's not a guarantee that the Eagles are going to go back and score. Or even if they do go back and score, we've seen the Chiefs score with 13 seconds left last year in the playoffs <laughs> against the bills. Like it's not a guarantee that the Eagles win that game. If that flag, if that flag doesn't get thrown. So yeah, sure. If we want to nitpick it, we can, it wasn't, as bad as like the Rams Saints pass interference play in the NFC championship game. Right. A couple, a few years ago, it was definitely a foul. Like by definition, it was a foul. And the guy who committed the foul said afterwards that it was a foul. So like, yeah, I'm with you. I, I loved that game. Like I thought both teams played really, really well. The Eagles completely dominated the first half, but the chiefs never felt like they're out of it, particularly because they had Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, if the Eagles wanted to win the game, they had to get a stop in, in the second half and they just didn't, the chiefs yeah. scored on all of their possessions in the second half, yeah. including the, the game winning field goal drive. So, you know, like as much as everybody, including us made about the, the Eagles pass rush, even going back to the NFC championship game, they didn't sack Pat Mahomes once. No. And the Chiefs offensive line played really, really well. And Andy Reid coached his ass off, man. Like those fake jet sweep motions with those guys cutting back out to the flat and being completely uncovered in the red zone in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Like that's just amazing coaching. Like I thought Andy Reid, that's probably the best game Andy Reid's ever coached. And for all the shit he took throughout his career in Philadelphia in particular about the clock management stuff, clock management on that final game winning field goal drive was just about perfect. I liked the aggression on calling a passing play on third and eight when you didn't necessarily have to, knowing you only needed a field goal. Um, There is a possibility of getting a flag on a passing play like that, which they got. Um, You have one of the best quarterbacks of all time in Patrick Mahomes, absolutely zero problem being aggressive and trying to get a first down on third and eight through the air there. Mm-hmm. Um, Jarek McKinnon having enough wherewithal to stay in bounds and not score the touchdown. 
to take even more time off the clock uh, was brilliant. And, you know, I'm sure Andy Reid harped on that going into the game. The, the reason why I liked the Chiefs was really, you know, the, those reasons sort of played out. Like the Chiefs have yeah. been in a lot of big games, and this is the first time this particular Eagles group led by Jalen Hurts has been on that stage. And and I just think that experience, that calm in the moment, um, just playing essentially the chiefs played, I thought essentially a perfect second half and the Eagle yeah. and Jalen hurts played his ass off. Jalen hurts was better than Pat Mahomes throughout the vast majority of that game. He made, he yeah. made better throws. Yeah, he was really good, but Mahomes was also just hitting dudes who were wide open, which speaks to Andy Reid and his coaching. Yeah. Running but, those running those fake jet motions twice from just opposite sides of the field with like the same look is insane. Those are the only catches Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony had. Yeah, Kadarius Tony played like eight snaps. They're only targets. Those guys had one Kadarius Tony, one catch, yeah. one target, five yards, a touchdown. Sky Moore, one catch, one target, four yards, touchdown. Sky Moore's first career touchdown, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> is that true yes i did not unbelievable that. shit for sky more no, and, and you said something on this podcast because all week i was kind of like leaning eagles but i it's like they the patrick mahomes on the other side that's kind of we saw the niners i thought the niners up and down in 2019 were a better team than the chiefs but mm-hmm. like patrick mahomes just made a couple of individually brilliant plays and they won yep. it just didn't <laughs> um you mentioned though something on our on our pod you're like nick sirianni has not been in this spot how do they handle it when it's tight and it's late in the game and it's a one score game? And I thought the turning point and the first time I went, oh, damn, the Chiefs have a real shot to win this was late in the third quarter. There was a buck 48 left. They had the fourth and six at Kansas City's 15 and they took the field goal. And it felt like at that point it was 24 21. So they kicked the field goal to make it 27 21. And at that point, it's like, dude, I've seen. I feel like I've watched the the Eagles all playoffs go like go in that spot and get seven yards. Man, fourth and six and, is tough. No, I know, but I felt I felt like Nick Sirianni and the Eagles had gotten to this point by being like hyper aggressive and just knowing like, hey, I have the best player on the field right now. I'm gonna go get seven yards. Gonna do a little RPO thing, and he's either gonna use his legs or he's gonna hit Dallas Goddard, and it's gonna be a first down. Chains are moving, and the fact that they went field goal there—that was where I thought I—I just—I think if that's week seventeen against Dallas, I think they go. But I think that spot, he went, he tightened up and went, okay, I gotta take the field goal. The field goal is just a smart thing to do here, and it bit him. Yeah, so. The more I think about it, like fourth and six to me is almost like an automatic field goal in that scenario. But I think to your point, and this this might be just a larger like Patrick Mahomes conversation too. But when you're going against that type of quarterback, you probably just need to get that first down to win the game. Yeah. Like you you just have to assume, I think, in that spot, like Patrick Mahomes is so good and and just like that guy, like historically, Patrick Mahomes is probably going to go down as one of the three to five best quarterbacks in the NFL, like NFL all time. He's probably top five right now, right now. So which is if you if you don't have that guy on your team to win the game, you probably need to convert that 
at fourth and six. I, I would agree with that. It would be kind of outlandish, like in the moment to, to be like, damn, fourth and six. That's a lot. Like that's a, mm-hmm. if it was fourth and four, it would be a lot more justifiable in that moment to, or, you know, to like, we're just going to do that. We're, we're going to go fourth mm-hmm. and four. We've been a really good fourth down team, but fourth and six is a little bit further, but to your point, like that's really how you win the game. Because if you're, there isn't a whole lot of difference between being up three and being up six in that spot. Right. Yeah. Because you're not banking you're, at all. You have to assume Pat Mahomes is going to have, is going to score at least one more touchdown, which obviously they did. Yeah. And you, they had gone 17 plays, 60 yards to that point. Yeah. And they have it at the Chiefs 15. Even if you go for it and don't get it, let's say they get a couple of yards, they're still inside their own 15. And you still have a three-point lead. Like, if you go up 27-21, you're saying, I'm putting this on my defense. This is one of my frustrations with Kyle Shanahan. It's like, there's times where he's like, I wanted to put it on the defense. I trusted the defense. And it's like, then why didn't you go for it? Like, why didn't you? We, we've seen him kick field goals from, like, inside the five. Because it's like, well, you know, I wanted to take the three points and then trust the defense. Like, well, then trust the defense to get a stop 90, for 97 yards. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. that's neither here nor there. And like you said it, the Chiefs go down, they go nine, play 75 yards, they make it 28-7. Eagles go three and out, ball game. Like, yeah, I, I know and they eventually tied and they got the two, but if the Chiefs were going to have the last possession, it was going to be over. And that was, that was just kind of it. The Eagles played well enough for like 98% of the game to win it. It was yeah. the, the fumble six the other way. And the punt return, I thought. And the Chiefs just didn't have any mistakes like that. Yeah. And that was Jalen Hurts really all year hadn't made a mistake like that fumble. Like he just was a flat so out. Good. Jalen Hurts was so good in that game. I was thoroughly unimpressed with him against San Francisco. Yeah. And I know the game, I know, you know, obviously weird game from a game script standpoint and stuff, but he just missed some open throws that I thought he would hit. And so I bet accordingly. <laughs> And it did not go well for me. <laughs> I did not think Jalen Hurts was going to play well. And he was, um, if he had won MVP, I wouldn't have like, I don't, I wouldn't have argued against it. As a loser? Yeah. Like it definitely I would mean, have been like, well, Mahomes had three touchdowns and he had the big run. Like I get it. But if voters had just been like, he was the best player, so he gets my vote, I wouldn't have hated it. He was really freaking good. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes. Mahomes was great if, too. Like I don't want I, I, right. to. I don't mean Patrick Mahomes didn't deserve it. No, I know, but he like you have to give it to a, a winning player. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, hundred percent. But if he had won, I wouldn't have liked me to stink. Yeah, it wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, like Jimmy Garoppolo would have been a very controversial Super Bowl MVP of the 49ers won in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Like. Pat Mahomes wasn't having a Jimmy Garoppolo game. Like Pat Mahomes no. went down and was basically perfect in the in the second half. Patrick Mahomes had a game an elite quarterback has on a high ankle sprain. It's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of kind of how it goes. The but, scamper that run was wild. Like on the high ankle sprain that looked like seemingly was aggravated in the second quarter. Like that was that that was I mean that's all-time great stuff. Yeah, it's all-time great stuff. Pretty. Pat Mahomes and you know, Nick. I know Nick mentioned this to us, and we've talked about it a little bit. All the similarities between the 2019 Niners team and this year's Eagles team—two incredible defenses, two of the best pass rushes in recent history. 
Pat Mahomes beat both teams. He beat the Niners on a wild third and 15. Mm-hmm. He beat the Eagles by running away from them on a sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just all time stuff. And it's why it's why winning the Super Bowl is so damn hard. Yeah. Because I, I fully understand why the Eagles were favored in this game. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the same reasoning went into why a lot of people thought the Niners were going to beat the Chiefs a few years ago. But the Chiefs just have that dude in Pat Mahomes. And yep. the Eagles didn't have him. And, you know, the Niners certainly didn't have him. So that's, I mean, that's, you know, it's really difficult to win to win ch- championships if you don't have that guy. Particularly with Mahomes is probably going to be there a lot of the time. <laughs> he's like He's been in the league five years and he's been there four times. Three times? Three times. Yeah. And he's been to four NFC, AFC championship games already? Five. He's five for five. <laughs> Like, <laughs> come on, man. As a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's you bring up two things. I don't and I want to take this conversation two directions, but I'm gonna start here because I think it's a little bit shorter and, and less um less what's the word I'm looking for? Consequential? Consequential. I feel like Debo Samuel and Brandon and I you were right. They both they both not not to say that the Niners would have smoked the Eagles. I don't I, I'm not I have no idea. I don't know how that game would have played out. But both of them were like, yeah, we had the Eagles schemed up. The Chiefs are going to put up points. And the Chiefs are going to carve them up. And after watching Patrick Mahomes go 21 of 27 for a buck 82 and watching Isaiah Pacheco run for 76 yards, it's kind of like, okay, I get it. Like, that's not just salt. Like, they, the Niners saw something in their defense. Whether they could have executed at the level the Chiefs did, I don't know. Think so. Brock Purdy's not Patrick Mahomes and the Niners offensive line. It's not the Chiefs offensive line. But I thought a little bit of that was just kind of like salt from them, but I I they were I thought they they were they were right. So the Niners going into that game felt like they could throw on the Eagles. Or sorry, they could run on the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the Eagles had the advantage on the de- defensive line from a pass rushing perspective, but the Niners felt like they could run on them. And if the Niners can run on you, it sets up just about everything else they want to do offensively, right? Like that is a basic tenant of their offense. They want to run on you and it sets up everything else. And if, you know, you play the pass, they're just going to keep running, keep running, keep running. And in a big spot, if, if, if you're not stopping them on the ground, they're just, they're, they're going to beat you. That's just what Kyle Shanahan's teams do. Yep. So the 49ers going into that game, that's what they believe. They're like, we're going to run the shit out of the ball on the road in that environment, and that's going to be the way we win. But when you don't have a quarterback to take advantage of play action when you are running the ball well, then obviously your offense is going to be effective at all. That's what Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, I think, believe that they had going into that game was like, they're going to be able to run the ball and and move the ball effectively on Philly's defense in the same way Kansas City did. And, you know, Isaiah Pacheco, I mean, he averaged five yards a carry. Jarek McKinnon averaged eight and a half yards per carry. Man. <laughs> the Chiefs averaged as a team 6.1 yards per carry. And Pat, you know, Pat Mahomes was 
was affected. Like Brock Purdy wasn't going to do what Pat Mahomes did. I don't think with his <laughs> legs. I mean, maybe, maybe, but point point being, the Chiefs ran the ball for 158 yards on 26 attempts. Like if that, mm-hmm. if the Niners do that, and the Niners get 30 attempts in that game, and the passing game is is working as it had been in recent weeks when Brock Purdy was playing well. You're looking at like the Niners having 170 rushing yards or something like that, mm-hmm. and the game script going the way they wanted, right? Could Brock Purdy go 21 of 27 for a buck 82 and three touchdowns? I don't know about like three touchdowns, good. and I certainly don't know about like basically the game winning scramble. But no, he's not going to do it. But I mean, just the stat line. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Purdy completing. You know, I I could see Purdy in that spot, like. 17 of 27 for a buck 60 and two touchdowns, you know, like yeah, with yeah. enough to win. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what the 49ers were, were like Brandon. I, you can Debo Samuel specifically. And it was a little funny. Cause like, it's one of those things where like, yeah, it's probably sour grapes. They probably shouldn't be saying that, but they're also like, they're being asked these questions. Yeah. And these are prideful dudes, like super competitive prideful dudes they're not gonna say like oh yeah they would have beat us yeah we got smoked <laughs> Don't even there's, know no way, there's no way they say that and they've been on you know one of the best offenses in the nfl without having an elite quarterback so they have all the reason in the world to be confident in you know in, in their ability to potentially go to to philadelphia and win in a normal situ- situation yeah so i get it um but i don't Given what we saw from the Chiefs, I don't know if the 49ers would have been able to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, and honestly, like if Brock Purdy had stayed healthy, I don't even know if they beat Philly. Right, we don't know that they beat, <laughs> that they beat Philly, but they would have scored a lot more than seven yes. points. It would have been much closer. And given what, like, given what we saw in the six plays, I, I think the Niners are going to put up some points. Yeah. My big thing was was less about like Debo and Ayuk saying, "Oh, we would have won." Like, what? Like, sure, like they're going to believe that, and maybe they're right. But they were definitely right about Ayuk was like, I'm I will take out a loan on my house and I will put it down. I will put my life savings on the Chiefs to win because their offense is going to rack them up. Yeah. And Debo said something similar. Um, And that's kind of what happened. The Chiefs had walk in touchdowns at the end of this at the in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I get like 31 points for their offense, I should say. It's completely insane to me. That they just had walk-in touchdowns in the like, biggest spot in the season. The closest defender to Kadarius Tony from inside the five-yard line was eleven yards away. <laughs> it's completely insane. That doesn't even make sense. It's to like I, I I hope people understand how how wild that is just from like a coaching and scheme perspective. And Dan Orlovsky at ESPN did a really good video breakdown talking about like the plays just before those ones where the chiefs use those motion plays. And then the Eagles would basically send their safety down to cover that player on the other side with the cornerback kicking inside. And the chiefs basically did the same look, but took advantage of it. And instead of having the guy complete the full motion, he just Mm -hmm. cuts back outside and there's all this space for it. It's just like, that's the chess match that really separates Andy Reid from just about everybody else. And Kyle Shanahan does a really good job of that. Yes. And I bet we're going to see a lot of 
given all the jet motion stuff that Kyle Shanahan does, we're going to see some of those fake jet motion plays next year. Oh, it's yeah, a copycat sure. league. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you look at that, you're like, oh, man, why? You know what's why didn't I do that? And maybe he w- maybe it was going to. Maybe there were going to be some of yeah. those plays in that Eagles game. Watch out for Danny Gray. Yeah. Just saying. No, um, that's one of the fun. That's one of the fun things about Andy Reid to me is like the simplicity of, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do the jet motion and then fake it and have the guy go the other way. That's so simple. Like that's so like, of course, fake the jet motion and then go the way the defense doesn't think you're going. And they probably that's that's probably the first time they did that all season. Yeah. And that's. If that's on tape at any point in the year, the, the Eagles aren't defending it that way, and it's not a walk-in touchdown. Right. Both times. Right. And the fact that they did it twice in consecutive possessions, and it worked both times, like, that's wild. Like, this is going to be painful for Niners fans, but, like, the Ravens Super Bowl, when the Niners are just throwing fades to Crabtree mm-hmm. over and over again, like, we've, we know, Niners fans in particular, know how difficult it is to score in the fourth quarter of Super Bowls yes. When everything's on the line, and the Chiefs had two walk-in touchdowns. <laughs> well, and that's what—that's where, like, that's where you'd feel really good about Kyle Shanahan in a spot like that, because Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman, not to not to disparage those guys, but just to your point, they didn't have anything to reach into their bag and grab. Like after they they let the cat out of the bag with the Kaepernick keep on where they where they called the timeout. And then they had to throw it. Like after that, they didn't have anything to go to. Whereas the Niners in that spot, they would at least have some different, like, okay, they put this on tape a bunch of times, gonna go to this now. Like I just I I, I loved the simplicity of hey, they saw that and what we're gonna do is fake the jet motion. Like brilliant. Wow. It's the simplicity of it. The other the other thing that jumped out to me, and this this could be a conversation we could have all day and hear a hundred different opinions on it, but one of the things that stuck out to me watching Jalen Hurts and watching Patrick Mahomes kind of do what they were doing, it really reaffirmed to me why the Niners took the swing they did with Trey Lance. And it affirmed to me why, despite Brock Purdy being as good as he was and why, despite Brock Purdy very likely being the starter going into 2023, why Trey Lance's development still has to kind of be at the at front of mind for the Niners. Because yeah. while I thought Brock Purdy was super impressive this year and their offense was really good with him, and if they go into next season with him, I'll feel good about the 49ers' chances. But I think long term, like if you're trying to compete for a Super Bowl every year and you're going into that Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes and to get there, you have to go through Jalen Hurts, like though that level of quarterback, or maybe you get to the Super Bowl and it's Joe Burrow or it's Josh Allen. I don't I need I, I'm I'm just not I'm not there yet with Brock Purdy that like a quarterback with his skill set can continue to compete with those teams over, like I said, maybe next year, maybe even the year after, but over a course of five, ten years, 
as the names and faces on the Niners defense and on their offense change, can Brock Purdy continue to be that guy that be, that is the rising tide that lifts all boats? I still have questions about that. And then with Trey Lance, when you look at his size, his speed, his arm strength, it's like, okay, now you can see where that skill set could be that type of dude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we've, we've talked about this a bunch, but like, if you have a decent roster, you can still win a Super Bowl with an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you have a decent quarterback, you need an elite roster, right? Like, Which I don't the 49ers think have right now. The 49ers have an elite roster right now. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have a good roster. But how many like truly elite players do the Chiefs have outside of Patrick Mahomes? That's well, that's what we said. Sky Moore's first touchdown of his right. career was in the Super Bowl. Like Isaiah Pacheco was a seventh round pick. He, he went like a few picks before Brock Purdy. Right. Like they have the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. and Orlando Chris Brown. Jones. And I mean, is Nick Bolton elite? <laughs> like, like he he played his ass off. He played a great game. But Juan Thornhill's really good. Justin Reed's really good. Yeah, but that so they don't have guys like, you know. I think the Niners and Eagles are pretty analogous in terms of like, I mean, Jalen Hurts has played at a. That, I mean, Creed without, Humphrey's elite. Without doing like the research, that's one of the best performances in recent memory from a losing quarterback in a Super Bowl. I thought like Jalen Hurts was statistically really, really good. He threw for 300 yards. He rushed for 70 more. He had he combined for four touchdowns. No, no interceptions. He did have the fumble six, which was, I mean, you can make a case. That was the biggest play of the game. Given that the Eagles lost by three and gave up seven points to a yeah, defensive. And if, they, and if they go down and score a touchdown there, it's 21, seven. Yeah. It's just a very yeah. different game. Yeah. So, but the point is, like, the thing with elite quarterbacks is always the ability to overcome shortcomings elsewhere. Whereas if you have an elite roster, you need your quarterback to play more or less perfectly within the confines of his surroundings to go and beat the elite quarterbacks, right? Like, it's just threading the needle of beating an elite quarterback when you don't have one is incredibly difficult because by and large, you can make the case that Eagles had a perfect season up until yesterday, like a perfect season, like man, best pass rush we've seen in years, elite skill guys can run the shit out of the ball, a best offensive line in the league. And yet it didn't matter because the chiefs still had the advantage at quarterback, mm-hmm. even though Jalen hurts had an amazing game and was better statistically and made better throws. Patrick Mahomes didn't have a fumble that went for six points the other way. You know what I mean? Like, and, and Pat Mahomes got, they had four straight scoring drives in the second half and weren't stopped at all in the second half. Jalen hurts is the first quarterback to complete more than 70% of his passes for 300 yards in the Super Bowl with no interceptions. And he lost people thought he was a running back coming out. It's crazy. Like, I, props to Jalen Hurts, man. That Like, that was... He's so much better than I thought. He, he I He's better. He was better on Sunday. Like, what am I trying to say here? Because a lot of people thought, like, coming out, it's like, man, second round, that's really early. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a rough. But, like, even as recently as the NFC title game, I was like, mm, like, okay, he's, he's a nice player. Like, he's a really good player, but I don't really see, like, it. I saw it on Sunday. 
That was his best game of the year. I mean, best game as a pro in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's and that's I think without question. That's hard to do, man. I was I was blown away, and he's 24 years old. Yeah, Eagles are going to be a problem for a while. 300 passing yards in the Super Bowl with 71 percent completion rate has been done four times. Tom Brady, Ken Anderson, oddly enough, against the Niners, and Kurt Warner. All of those guys were 32 or older. Yeah. Jalen Hurts is 24. Patrick Mahomes is 27. How do you feel about, and I'm not trying to throw shade by asking this, but I kind of feel like the rugby scrum play (laughs) probably probably needs to go, right? Like we can't. It's definitely getting outlawed, right? I would think so. Like it's not, I don't find it fair to just be like, all right, we're just going to have four dudes behind the quarterback and they're just going to push him over the line of scrum or, or the line to gain. Well, I, I wonder what happened because you used to not be able to do that. Yeah, they changed the they changed the rule. Right. I wonder why. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it, it's just not like because you know when it's fourth and one, like I'm so if they don't outlaw it this offseason, we're gonna see every single team practicing that and every single team going for it on fourth and one and fourth and two because it's not difficult to just have a bunch of dudes behind your quarterback and push them forward. Chris Jones had the right idea going up high. But then you're on a bunch of bodies. You don't have anything anchoring you, and you just get pushed forward. And look, I I know, like, from an offensive line perspective, the guy's blocking on that play. Like, it's a very nuanced Mm -hmm. thing. There's a lot of skill that goes into it. Yeah, you got to get low. But I I just don't – it doesn't really feel like a real football play to me. Yeah, it's like – competitively, it just seems unfair. It's like, okay, so, you know, it's – like, it's, it's kind of automatic. Yeah, and I guess like my my on one hand I'm like okay then just stop it but I don't know how like I don't know how it's like it would be like saying okay a Steph corner three is just automatic like they should but like you can stop that you can get a hand up you can defend him you can keep the ball from getting to him on that particular play you don't you can't just line up dudes and push back like it just doesn't you can't have all three linebackers pushing the same gap and expect to be able to defend anything because then they'll just like run a pitch outside and it'll be there will be nothing but open space and maybe that's the maybe that's kind of the the crux like well that's why it's not fair i just i just wouldn't be surprised i just wouldn't be surprised if the league was like okay that's not fun yeah i that that's (laughs) what i think too and you know, like I'm not trying to take anything away from Philly, but that's like a big that's a big part of their success on fourth down this year. It's because it, having that play. I was trying to find a different sports analogy. It feels like the shift in baseball. Like the thing is like just hit it away from the shift, but it's like when you're getting 98 in on your hands, like you can't just punch that the other way. Like you're just trying to make contact and you're just going to roll it into the shift. It's like it, not a lot you can do about it. Yeah. To me, it's like a moving screen in basketball. Oh, more analogies. Okay, go on. I mean, you like say you have two guys. I don't know. Like, there's a reason why you can't move when you set screens. Right. Yeah. You could just you could just run a fullback through there and yeah. move guys out of the way and for yeah. easy laps. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, but that that could be a change. We'll see. If not, I would expect Kyle Shanahan to just start having like backup linemen on fourth and short playing behind whoever the quarterback is next year and just pushing him forward over the line of scrimmage. Yeah, or, or the you line up again. Kyle use check there, right? Yeah. Just do the use check under center pole. I just yeah. come over. 
Yeah. Honestly, at the rate Philly was getting yards on it yesterday, it's like, why would you not just get to anytime you got to like second and four, just run that like three times? So, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like, I'm with you. Eagles were converting a ton of third downs. They were 11 for 16 on third down. Yeah. 11 of 18. But like in the first half, but they that that includes a couple like failed ones late. But they were that effective on third down despite running plays on third down, setting up fourth down, right? Like despite not even really trying to convert those plays. Third and eight, like run plays. Yeah, third and eight run plays. And yet they were still over 60% on third downs for the game. Like that was wild. Like Philly played almost perfect, but they needed to be perfect to win and they weren't. They went 11 of it. They had 25 first downs. 12 rushing, 11 passing, which is nuts. 417 yards of offense, 5.8 yards per play, which is like elite. Um, Chiefs had 6.4. 6, so nuts. <laughs> 302 passing yards while holding the opponent to 182. The Eagles committed only six penalties for 33 yards. They punted twice. Uh, they committed just one turnover. They held the ball for 35 minutes, almost 36 hung up 35 points and lost like they were that was that's why i had such a fun time watching that game yesterday it was just the two two of the three or four best teams in the league playing like the best teams in the league yeah they both played great football both teams Yes. yes like it was a high high level game and i understand the disappointment about the call at the end but look that's a penalty it just is yes by yep. def, like, did it have to be? No, it didn't have to be. But, but where's at the, the same time, the... you like, at the same time, you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt when you're not getting any stops. Like the Chiefs were walking the ball up and down the field in the second half. Like you don't just get that call when you're not getting any stops. Yeah, and and when the hold actively kept the player from getting to the spot on the field that he needed to get, like. And my my issue is Greg Olson said on the broadcast, you can't make you you just it's tough to make that call in that spot or you can't make that call in that spot. So like, where's the line then? What if Juju gets to the corner of the end zone and just gets hammered, just gets blown up before the ball gets there? Yeah. And the ref throws a flag. Is the ref deciding the game now? Yeah. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't subscribe to like it has to be egregious. I'm generally team non flag. Well, oh, right. No, same. But in that spot, Greg Olson says you can't. So, okay, if he pulls his jersey eight inches away from his body, now is it okay? Like, where, that's why it's like, dude, if the ref sees it he, and they throw the flag, like, he just got to, like, eat shit. Right. Like, yeah. Sorry, man. And there's no grand conspiracy. Like, if you look at the, I, I would assume if you looked at the officiating mistakes any team deals with throughout the season, there's probably going to be a 50-50 rate in terms of what helps you and what hurts you. Right. There was a play earlier in that game where Juju got mugged, I believe, by James Bradbury on a third down, and they did not call. Right. Like it just And even, you know, like you could it wasn't super clear cut. I didn't think that the fumble that they called back wasn't actually a fumble, Yo. incomplete pass. Yeah. And you know, like, are we are we a thousand percent sure Dallas Goddard 
had control of the ball on that when <laughs> when like his foot his one of his feet touched like that didn't look like a catch to but me. then it like the like ball like kind of came lo- that yeah. was a sick ass throw yeah it was it was the best that throw of the game unreal yeah goddard was great i mean the yeah, goddard yeah. was great aj brown was great Devonte smith was great save for falling out of bounds when he probably could have scored the the chiefs game plan of just hit the shit out of Devonte smith every time he had the ball was very effective yeah i know he went for seven and a hundred but man they they made it hurt except for the one where he went out of bounds yeah i mean no just a, it was a high quality game it was so entertaining and the big the big thing for me, just to kind of bring it back to the Niners and the whole Trey Lance, Brock Purdy thing, is I think the the idea of like, yeah, hey, keep it close and win the game 23-20. Like, I just don't, I don't think you can rely on that. I just don't think that's, that's a super effective way. Like, maybe you can win a Super Bowl doing that. But if your goal is to contend year after year and be able to win multiple, I just... Like what Brock Purdy did at the end of this year has to now be sustained for full seasons and into the playoffs. Like that's where the bar's at. The bar is not Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, like more often than not, you're gonna need to beat some elite dudes and you're just gonna have to play like the Eagles played ninety-eight percent perfect. And had they been a hundred percent perfect, they would have won. And that was one of the best performances by a losing team I've seen in in a while. But it was just, yeah, you have to be perfect. You just have to be perfect to beat somebody like Patrick Mahomes and the Eagles weren't. Yeah. And honestly, if, if the chiefs make one more mistake, then we're probably sitting here going, you have to be perfect to beat a guy like Jalen hurts. And they weren't, or just that team, (laughs) like that, that offensive line, that running game. Yeah, so that's Niners the other are... thing that the Niners that of all the like I know I I picked out Purdy and Lance is the thing the Niners offensive line needs to needs to improve. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that. The Chiefs' you know, offensive line was amazing. It was so freaking good, man. Yeah, both offensive lines were amazing. What Creed Humphrey did in the middle of that offensive line was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Robert Mace. Um, I don't have anything else to say about the Super Bowl. Is Love the halftime show. Yeah, it was good. I like Rihanna's music, so just sitting there listening to Rihanna with my friends was a great time. What do you? Yeah, want? like. Also, saying she was going to have a special guest, and the special guest being her second baby, adorable. <laughs> That's objectively <laughs> cute. I'm was in. that? Was there? Was there like official chatter about there being a special guest? Yeah, she said she's gonna. So oh, okay. run this town starts and I'm like, yes, Jay, let's go, baby. Yeah. And then no Jay. And then all the lights starts and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Rihanna, no. Uh all the lights objectively sick feet. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. instrumental. I mean, so my girlfriend made the point. Shout out to Leanne. She listens to the pod occasionally, sometimes. Um that what Rihanna did was so cool because it wasn't she didn't do too much like there was no element of like being extra or like she showed up she like punched her card punched out 
threw us all the bangers did performed everything excellent like plugged her own product with the makeup stuff so fancy so sick <laughs> and then just got out of there and didn't yep. need any extra didn't need anyone else's help did it while pregnant you know like i don't we've never seen a have we ever seen a pregnant person performing at halftime i i i don't think so but like i don't know it was just cool like she did her thing nothing more nothing less there was no extra shit and she she pushed products and kept it moving <laughs> was it the best super bowl show i've ever watched no but i was entertained and that's that's all i'm looking for it was cool the... And the, and the floating stage i mean that that I, I really enjoyed it. And just so many good songs. Well, that was so okay, two quick things. One, she left off maybe like eight songs that could have easily been in there. And she still threw what, like eleven, eight or nine or ten or eleven songs or however many it was. And they were all bang they were all bangers. And then there there was like, yeah, hey, here was these six songs I also would have liked to hear. Yeah. Like she just had so many hits. And then, <laughs> shout out, if this guy listens to the pod, shout out to you. I don't remember his name. But he was complaining that she wasn't actually singing. He was on Twitter, and he's like, she's not even singing. Like, yeah, duh. Have you ever been to a show? Anyways. Yeah. I'm um, not like, Rihanna's got pipes. I don't need her to try and sing at a Super Bowl halftime show. Like, I don't need that. Just give me the songs. And give me some dancing and some cool stages. Sean Cunningham, shout out to him, was this is a big Sean Cunningham house. Was talking about how like she was singing, but there sometimes there can be and Sean's like in the bag for Rihanna. So I want that to be clear too. But <laughs> but like he would because there was talk, we were at King's practice today talking about how someone mentioned that she might have been lip syncing and Sean was like, well, it looks like she's lip syncing because sometimes the audio doesn't match up and like what's in her ears isn't always the same as like what we hear coming through the mm -hmm. broadcast. So it looks like it's not synced up, but really mm -hmm. she was. I don't know. There were but, times where she actively had her mic away from her face and there were still vocals coming out. <laughs> like, Yeah, but sometimes that's like sometimes just the hook too, like when it's when it's the chorus of a song or what. Anyway. I don't want to get into the weeds on that because I'm like you. I don't, I don't care. care. Yeah, I know Rihanna can sing. Like, <laughs> there never in my life have been like, oh, are we sure that's Rihanna? You know, like, or is, I just want to see it. Is there too much? Is there too much auto tune with Rihanna? Like, no, Rihanna's one of the best singers out right now. Um, bitch, better have my money as the opener. Was it's just yeah, Chef's kiss. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I was like, there's no way she's doing this song. And that's the first song she did. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Anyways. So shouts to Rihanna. Rihanna. Congratulations for for well for welcoming baby number two down the line. Yeah. And the ASAP jokes. The ASAP jokes were great too. I enjoyed the ASAP jokes. I didn't see any ASAP jokes, so you can go you 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 can go look I'll, on I'll Google it. Yeah. yeah. You could probably deduce what the jokes were. But I don't. Oh, <laughs> now I get it. Okay, here we go. Yeah. So anyway, the light bulb going off. Subscribe, rate, and review. Shout out to Cooperage. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys later in the week. <laughs>